This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. Interest rates are higher. I know people don't like that, but you should be welcoming a stronger economy. Maybe a deal has a point about the machinery of capitalism being oiled with the blood of the workers. The United States is a country that has always paid all of its bills. Lannister always pays his debts. Don't let the bastards get you. Hello and welcome to Comedian vs. Economist. We demystify the world of money and help you get a handle on the bigger picture. My name's Adam and we're joined, as always, by my little older brother and real-life economist, Thomas. Hi, Thomas. Yeah, g'day, Adam. How are you going? Uh, doing very well, thank you. Hey, uh, got some email coming in during the week, cve at equitymates.com if you'd like to send us an email. Uh, Sam sent us an email. Sam had a good email, actually. He had three points that he wanted to make. Uh, number one, we were talking about English pubs last week on the show. He said, the slug and letters, fox and hound type names apparently originated from a time when most of the population was illiterate and it was therefore easy to identify the name of the pub by pictures alone. I think I'd said that it was maybe their coat of arms, but I was thinking about that later on and I'm like, I don't think there would have been like house lettuce <laughs> <laughs> as a... <laughs> My name is Richard of Family Slug. <laughs> Because if you think about a lot of the pub names, they're not very flattering things that you would want to put on a coat of arms. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are off house whistle. Uh, anyway, so yeah, but he also wrote in about, uh, we were talking about bankruptcies last week as well. Um, yeah. He's an insolvency practitioner. Yeah, he is with Sheehan Lock Partners, he reckons. And yeah, he's, he's saying that they've seen a big uptick in uh, insolvencies this year so far, saying that, yeah. Principal drivers are increases in rents and inflation. Uh, sorry, interest rates going up, which is adding to their yeah their debt burdens, which is interesting. I thought the other point I thought was really interesting is he's saying that creditors are seem a lot more interested in um, tidying up the debts oh. and chasing them down than they have in the past, which suggests that they might be a little more worried about their loan books than they have been in the past. Mm. So I thought that was an interesting insight. Yeah, uh, and I did mention he had three points. The third point was. Uh, and I don't, I, we don't normally like to use people's last names on the show, but he did say that people could reach out to him on LinkedIn, so I'm thinking he's he's okay with it. Um, but Sam Gurner was his name, and he did mention that uh, Tim Gurner, the property developer, doesn't speak for the greater Gurner family. Uh, I'm not sure if it's any relation or not, but there you go. So um, thank you, Sam. When I saw the email come in, I thought, <laughs> oh, no, Tim's dad's on to us. <laughs> His yeah. mum. Here is the link to your lawsuit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, good news and good email. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Sam, for sending that in. But massive show, Thomas, coming up as always. Organised crime are turning their attention to supermarkets. No surprise, really. You don't get a name like Fat Tony without eating. Uh, 
first it was work from home. Now it's work from your mum and dad's home as more people are staying home longer. And is your car leaking data now? Just what is your ride sharing? Hey, you see what I did there? <laughs> oh, yeah, I see that. That won't make any sense till later in the show, so stick around. <laughs> uh, but first, Thomas, it's time to get the good oil on. Oil. What's up <laughs> with oil? Yeah, yeah. Now, oil is uh, creating a little some concerns in the financial community at the moment um, just because it's up. It's up now almost 30% since June. So 10-month high, $95 a barrel, US dollars a barrel. So that's quite high. We can sort of think of like $100 as per barrel as being like a bit of a panic level. Okay. So we're, you know, on the way there. But yeah, definitely like that quick rise is, is certainly concerning. I have been, as they say, feeling the pain at the Bowser. I've noticed that uh, noticed oh, that yes. fuel prices have been going up. So not lost on, not lost mm. on me, that's for sure. Yeah. It's got me thinking about buying an electric car. Yeah. Because yeah. my, my wife, Anna, she oh, works yeah. um, in, in her role. She, they don't give her a car, but they do, they do give her, her an allowance for every kilometer. She gets a certain amount, like let's oh. say it's a dollar, a dollar per kilometer traveled as like a, an allowance. And I thought if we got an electric car, we could almost profit from that arrangement rather than just simply trying to because we've got now we've got solar on the roof if we could charge the car uh, then yes. the more she works and drives yeah, around we yeah, could actually yeah. be turning a profit just from her driving i thought that's an interesting model that i'm going to explore yeah follow us for more financial tips <laughs> and how you, how you can exploit your employer yeah well she should charge her car at work it's like there we go See? fully go for it yeah <laughs> Uh, anyway, oil, oil. Yeah, but no, yeah, this is that's exactly what the uh, financial papers are fretting about. Right. But yeah, there. Yeah, it's, it's up. That's that's a worry. It's on the back of um, supply cuts. Some of it, some of it's demand driven, and sort of like mm. the economy's global economy is doing a little better than expected. Uh, J.P. Morgan reckon it's about a quarter of that increase is, is due to increased demand. But the big story is cutbacks in supply. Saudi Arabia announced another million dollar million barrels a day cut right um yeah a couple of weeks ago so they're cutting back russia's cutting back why did why are they cutting it just to make a point uh to make a make a dollar so yeah so the so opec is sort of what they call the the cartel. It's now OPEC Plus because a few other countries. But basically, they try try to get to- <laughs> and they've launched a streaming service. <laughs> <laughs> they used to be free to air, and now now they're uh, now they're OPEC Plus. You can get them online. <laughs> yeah. So, but but yeah, basically, like they they get together and say, like, hey, if we all work together and restrict supply, then we won't flood the market and, and push down prices, and we'll make more profit per barrel and we'll make more money right so yeah and so it's an interesting it's, it's always interesting because opec has a has a whole range of countries there that don't always align politically and there's always an incentive for someone in the group to cheat mm. um to sell more of their own oil and so like it but yeah so sometimes sometimes they are able to hold back sometimes they're not but yeah in this case they've cut back Yes, yeah, more than four million barrels per day out of the market. Yeah, wow. Compared to a couple of months ago, see, it's the largest cut outside of recessions over the last two decades. J.P. Morgan reckons. So that's having a, that, that's having a big impact on prices. J.P. Morgan reckons the outside risk is that we get to one hundred and twenty dollars a barrel. Whew. Yeah, that would that would hurt. If we're panicking at a hundred, mm. I don't know. Well, I hate to think what we're doing at one hundred and twenty. Yeah, they, well, they reckon the the economy grinds to a pretty quick halt at one hundred and twenty. Like we're kind of right. yeah. 
into recession. Needs oil, just mm. like any machine needs oil to yeah. function. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the so the big risk here that people are starting to worry about is whether central banks start leaning against this. Right. That you know they had been like particularly in Australia, it looks like rate hikes were done, CPI and wages coming in pretty soft. If that translates into fuel price increases, which translates into further inflation, then maybe the RBA goes, ah, we're not quite done yet. We might need another one. And that's sort of the, certainly the talk out of the Fed. Fed held last week, but people are saying, oh, that looks like if oil prices stay high around this $100 mark or higher, then, yeah, we might get another rate hike this year. Mm. Um, I presume oil, I mean, the price of oil does go up and down. Like is is oil going up, is that always a is that always a bad thing? Is there any? Yeah, I mean, there I, it, it generally depends on where it, what's driving it. So often, generally, it's correlated with GDP. So when oil goes up, GDP goes up because you know economic production requires oil. So when oil, you know, when economic activity is lifting, that pushes demand for oil up, and that pushes the price up. But then every now and again, you get these supply shocks, and just, that can be pretty pretty brutal. Like the seventies, the hyperinflation, not hyperinflation, stagflation of the seventies. That was that was on the back of supply cuts. Yeah, right. But the interesting thing here is that previously in the past, when we've had supply shocks, central banks have enjoyed in, uh, anchored inflation expectations. So inflation has been low; people don't expect mm. it to get out of hand. They get a supply shock, prices go up, and central banks go, "Ah, we're just going to let that go through the system because people see it's temporary, and they're not. We're not going to adjust upwards." But in a high inflationary environment, like we kind of are in now. That's not exactly clear. Like central banks don't exactly have that benefit now and it might anchor further inflation expectations, in which case they do need to lean against it. So the timing of this, you know, supply shock is quite interesting. All right, we'll keep an eye on it. So Thomas, UK retailers, shops struggling with organised crime. What's going on there? Yeah, no, they reckon uh, shoplifting is um, is exploding, causing all sorts of havoc. Saying that, yeah, shop all thefts right. have more than doubled in the past three years. Really huge. It's eight million incidents over the past year. Costs retailers just short of a tr- uh, billion dollars. Wow! According to the British Retail Consortium. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Eight million incidents. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's huge. It's huge, yeah. It sounds like it's getting pretty out of control. So I had, quote, Paul Gerard, who's from uh, Co-op, which is a has like a couple of thousand chains, supermarkets, mm. um, describes the shoplifting as organised looting, saying gangs would climb over kiosks and brazenly empty shelves into rucksacks, construction bags, and even wheelie bins. That's that's just looting. I yeah. mean, that's... <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what he's saying, yeah. Why? Like, well, is this this has obviously gotten a lot worse. It hasn't been, mm. we haven't just been turning a blind eye to it for the last five years. <laughs> Someone's finally going, look, I think it's time we talk about the looting that's going on <laughs> supermarkets and shops. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting it's picking up. It seems to me there's a couple of things happening in the UK. Mm. So they're saying like 80,000 people were charged for shoplifting a decade ago, but then in the year to March, that was down to 48,000, so almost half. Right. And so, like, there's a big drop in the number of charges for shoplifting, saying that for just 14% of the total number of shoplifting reports resulted in charges being laid. Yeah, that's because they're probably, like, 12 years old. I, got, I remember getting busted shoplifting pens when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And, yeah, apart from being more <laughs> mortally embarrassed uh, when I had to tell mum, um, there's no charges. <laughs> Escaped a record. Well, I mean, that's the other thing that saying that in Britain, what they did in 2014 is they downgraded shoplifting 
um, for goods worth less than two hundred pounds to a summary offence, ah. and you got a seventy pound fine. Right. Yeah. Um, and they did this to relieve pressure on the police that they're chasing too many sort of petty criminals. But the mass, <laughs> the mass there doesn't add up. Like if you're stealing two hundred pounds, spending worth too of- much time at primary schools, <laughs> arresting kids. Yeah. <laughs> the school constable was just flat out. Yeah. Uh, right. But the, the math is also a little off there. Like if you can steal up to 200 pounds and it just costs you 70 pounds, you still cost you 70. <laughs> you're making profit. <laughs> so, little Timmy's eBay store yeah. is, uh, yeah, his margins are still sitting at 20% even after, <laughs> even after labor costs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think I think a rise in mathematical literacy amongst primary mm. school kids is definitely a contributing factor. <laughs> I think the police were tipped off when he went in and asked if he could just pay up front in bulk for the his <laughs> shoplifting that was to come. He's like, look, <laughs> the shop's going gangbusters. I just need to keep the cash flow running. Can I just drop a thousand dollars in prepaid fines, and we'll just tick them off as I shoplift. So I think so. I think that's part of the story. Is there's less there's less um, disincentives around it, but but it, that doesn't explain why it's ramped up in the past three years in particular. And I think that probably mm. does come down to cost of living pressures, um, right. and that's at the individual level. That individuals are doing it tough, so they're more there's more incentive to to steal. But with the organised criminal aspects of it, with people like with the organised looting, that's for resale. And there's a market that has been created because budgets are really pressured and don't have as much money. And so, like, normally normally I wouldn't buy chops from some guy setting up a rug outside on the street somewhere. <laughs> I don't think – I think it, the cost of living crisis is going to get pretty bad before I'm buying chops off a guy on the side of the road <laughs> off a blanket. <laughs> Well, that's, got, that's what they're saying they're doing We've got that. some Versace watches or would you like some choice cuts? <laughs> Is it fresh? <laughs> yeah. But, but, no, but, yeah, but that's what they're saying. Like, the, like you, you're, you're going in and, and looting meat and cheese for resale. So, mm. the, the, so there is a market that has been created for this, these black market items and that probably does come down to cost, cost of living pressures. The other thing that it could be too though is it used to be back in the day that you w- could rob a bank if things got bad. You could go in, but that's all digital money now. Uh, and with artworks shifting towards NFTs, you can't even go and rob like an art gallery. Mm, mm. So I guess people are just like, well, I'll just have to go and like rob some roast beef and salad ingredients. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So, um, what are the what are the retailers going to do about it? Anything? The, the, the face recognition stuff in Australia that they're talking about is that? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's right. It's part of it. They're trying. Woolworths is trialing this system where you get electronically tagged by a sensor on the roof when you enter the store, and then you get a green tick once you've paid and you're allowed out. But if you don't go through the, the checkout and pay, then you're not allowed out of the shop. The door the doors <laughs> don't open for you. Ever, ever, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. yeah right. So that there's doing that. Yeah, the, I mean, it's interesting because like they're saying that like even when they the the retailers are saying in the UK are saying even when they catch catch these guys and and detain them, the police still don't show up. Yeah, right. So now the the supermarket chain Waitrose, which is an upmarket supermarket chain in the UK, is now offering free coffee to police officers who do come out for a call. Right. Oh, that's- <laughs> Nice. Yeah. 
I mean, that's also that's the weird side. And then, and then the retailers have, have got together and, and launched po- uh, Project Pegasus, where they're offering sixty thousand dollars, sixty thousand pounds to the U- to the police to fund a crackdown, partly using facial rec- recognition technology. I think the UK is also trying to have a crackdown on knife crime, though. So I've got to like got to got to say the knife crime should take priority in this. Mm. This equation, if with limited resources faced between people knifing each other or someone stealing cheese, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, th- I think we've got to be smart about how we're spending the, the government coffers. <laughs> All right, let's take a break there. Uh, we'll grab a word from this week's sponsor and be back with more comedian versus economist on the other side. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back. You're on Comedian versus Economist. Thomas, we've got some fresh data on millennials living at home longer. What's going on there? Yeah. So out of the US, we saw some data that the uh, number of 18 to 29-year-olds who are at home is almost 50%, 48%. Wow. Yeah. Stuck at home. 50%. Mm. Is that more than what it was? Uh, yeah. yeah it, it jumped up in COVID when everyone was stuck at home uh, to 49.5%. It's not news. <laughs> it's just in. Yeah. During COVID, when everyone was in lockdown, people were at home longer. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it, yeah, no, there was a little, there's a temporary spike there, but it's up on where it was pre COVID. Right. So and and it's definitely it's trending upwards. So back in 1960, it was under it was about 25 percent. Yeah, of 18 to 29 year olds at home, and now it's been sort of just one way traffic since then heading up. Is that because no one can buy a house? Next, 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 next news one. <laughs> <laughs> next topic. Yeah, no, that's it. It's, it's cost of living. People stuck at home can't afford. Can't afford to because yeah. I think most people would be like, "Well, I'm not moving out until I can buy something because you know mm. rent money's dead money, all that sort of stuff." So people are just like mm. staying mm. at home longer. Yeah, I mean, even even rental, like you, you know, just can't even afford a rental. Like rent, rentals mm. are yeah, yeah expensive the world over. Um, Australia, same story. So yeah, you can't even even you know that sort of just going out and starting a getting a flat with a mate like. Mm. Is, a, is, a, is actually a bad financial decision if you if you've got the ability to stay home and yeah and if your if your parents are boomers then they might not even be living in the home yeah. anyway they'll be at the <laughs> other home that's right so at the beach home <laughs> <laughs> the beach home so you can have the you can have the suburban home and they're at the yeah, holiday yeah. home 
Yeah. But that's that's probably not it's probably not even applicable anymore to eighteen to twenty nine year olds. They'd be grandparents now. Mm. I did see I did see a stat that said forty percent of uh, millennials pay rent to their parents. But the rent is about half on average of what it is what what the market's market is. So there you go. There's some boomers being generous. Well they it's just or just more passive income. <laughs> <laughs> is it going to get? Is it going to get better anytime soon? And by better, I, I, maybe people like it. Maybe people yeah. like living at home. It's a family unit, kind of. You know, I don't know, just assume that everyone who's doing it is because they have to. Some people might be like, oh, I just like my parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be. It could be. Good. I mean, up to twenty nine though. Like, I feel like you're like if you're delaying setting out on your own until your thirties. I don't know. I just I feel like that must restrict like unless you got your own granny flat out the back and you got that independence but i mean how do you meet someone and set up a relationship from home it's difficult but in, but on the flip side it, it accelerates really quickly because of the first morning <laughs> you, sort of, you know you're walking out <laughs> you introduce them to your parents <laughs> after the first one night stand you realize these are my parents <laughs> oh she seems nice <laughs> Do I hear wedding bells? <laughs> Before you know it, you've got, a fa- you've got a family of your own. All right, Thomas, finally on the show today, uh, cars, modern cars, uh, Teslas and the like, apparently they're sharing a lot of your data. Yes. Like I, I, this, is, this blew my mind. I had no idea this was going on. But Mozilla, really? yeah. How naive are you? Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I drive a very old car, so. <laughs> I know, but still. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so Mozilla, who's the, the company though, behind the open source Firefox browser, they now do uh, surveys of um, privacy for different products. They're like the choice magazine of privacy. Okay. And so, and so they looked into the privacy policies of cars. <laughs> it seems like a like a... I don't know, an oxymoron or something, doing a survey about privacy. <laughs> like, we'd like to ask some questions about your, your behaviours. Sure. <laughs> okay, how, how, how important is privacy to you? Well, No, no, no they, they, they looked at the privacy policies for different car manufacturers. Oh, okay. So it's publicly available. They just did the actual work of looking into it and un- understanding what it means. Ah, right. And so, yeah, so they're saying every car brand we looked at collects more personal data than necessary and uses that information for a reason other than to operate your vehicle and manage their relationship with you. The, ah. It is the official worst category of products for privacy that we have ever reviewed. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just out of curiosity, have they ever reviewed the Google Home Mini? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> really, it's worse than that. <laughs> the device that's constantly listening to your voice in your house. <laughs> they've gone. That's not. That's not the worst of it. Yeah. <laughs> you seen what your car's doing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, cars. Yeah, so they're collecting because because not not only are they collecting like your usage data. And like mm. they're collecting your like your mileage, they're also collecting your geolocation, so where you're going. They're also collecting information about passengers in your car and then pedestrians in the vicinity of your car. What? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I guess if you're if some of the autonomous driving stuff, and I think yeah. this is a real thing, right? Like the I feel like this. We're talking about supermarkets earlier and how they're bringing in mechanisms to crack down on crime which is a justification to track people mm. it's also kind of that but the other thing they do is they they bring in new functionality like 
Um, even rewards points, you know, like it's like people think they're getting rewards points, but all it's doing is linking all of your shopping to an account that they can then analyze and get data from. Like everything that kind of starts out mm-hmm. seemingly as a as like a hey, this will be heaps better for mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of not. Like I don't want to sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist, but but at the same time, I think there's a lot of this going on that comes out as new features and new things like, hey, we've got a autonomous driving. And it's like, oh, that sounds good for me. It's like, well, yeah, it is. But it also just means we can scan everything inside and outside the vehicle um, because we need the sensors to work. But also, now that we're collecting it, why don't we share it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so 84% of car brands are now selling or sharing that data with other services and data brokers. Yeah, right. So, yeah, it's it's pretty massive. So you're going to need like you're going to need like private driving mode yeah. in your car. <laughs> like when you when you go visit inappropriate yeah. shops. Yeah. Do it on private mode. <laughs> that was a- drive around in incognito in Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. They also say they've got data to infer more information. In Nissa and Kia's privacy statement, they say they can claim they can gauge details about a person's sexual activity and sex life. Oh, up at a windy point <laughs> when you drive the car up for the lover's lookout. Yeah. <laughs> If the Tesla's rocking, don't come knocking. <laughs> yeah, that's. I mean, that's weird. I don't know what that's about, but that's. That's a bit creepy. I guess if they're recording the voice and they're recording who's getting in and out of the car. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have to sign an NDA before you get in for it, accept someone's offer of a lift. Right. Yeah, yeah. Or like you're in Uber. And... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Now ride sharing then and you're like, well, who's, who's tracking? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, and then they're saying 56% um, say that they can share personal information with the government or law enforcement agencies even if it's just a request, not a legitimate court order. Hyundai explicitly says it will comply with lawful requests, whether formal or informal. <laughs> What's an informal request from the government? Hey, Hyundai, mate, you wanna, can you just share us some data? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hang on, is this a request illegal? Well, no, I'm just asking. Okay, well, <laughs> you meet the criteria. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So very good. But like, I look at this, and I think there's. I feel like this is creates a market that's ripe for disruption. And I think what Scott Galloway says about disruption: disruption comes when someone introduces a product that's worse than the market. And that's what that's what disruption is. So saying like Airbnb disrupted hotels because it created an offer that was significantly worse than the hotel experience because you got to go to someone's house and. You don't have you don't yeah. have a concierge and all of that, but it was cheaper and people like that and that was better. I feel I feel like the car industry is setting is setting itself up for disruption with like dumb cars, you know. Like and my and like so I, I I drive an older car and my mechanic I've had for a few years is saying like don't get rid of this you, you should hang on to this as long as you can because all of the expensive cars come through with all the sensors and the electronics and all of that. They're like they're a nightmare to fix. They're expensive to fix. A dumb car like yours is is cheap and simple to fix, and it's you don't have all these all these dramas, and it's not sharing my data with people I don't want to share it with. 
So I feel I feel like I feel like the neck I feel like there could be there's a market now for dumb cars that have that strip out all of this unnecessary stuff that like all all these benefits that have been created. Yeah, but I think you'd be yeah. Well, look at smartphones. Mm. There's still there's still the option of having a dumb phone, but who's got one? Like very few. Yeah, but it's but it's not significantly like you but people use their phone for other things, right? Like that that's mm. a, like that's too too worse. You want something that's just a degree worse. Like if you could, yeah, oh. do you know what I mean? Like a car that does everything a car does but doesn't have the sensors and mm. tracking and things. Uh, I really like CarPlay though. <laughs> that's probably my favourite feature about my car. What's, what's CarPlay? <laughs> it's like you hook the, your smartphone up to your car and you can stream Spotify and you know, YouTube, whatever, oh, through the car. Right. Well, that's uh, that's the other does. thing. That's the other thing your car's doing was when you hook it up, hook your phone up to the car. <laughs> it's now sharing your phone's data with the car manufacturers. Oh, good. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, okay. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get rid of it. Uh, okay, I'm off to buy a horse and cart. Uh, that does us for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will talk to you again next time on Comedian versus Economist. But for us, it is bye for now. Comedian versus Economist is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Comedian versus Economist are not financial professionals and are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Comedian vs Economist acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.